Transfiguration Sunday. Matthew tells us Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Transfigured, metamorpho in the Greek, makes us think of metamorphosis, maybe a butterfly, literally to change to another form, caterpillar to butterfly. In that case, unrecognizable in the change one to another. In this case, recognizable, but more. In Luke's account of this, instead of transfigured, he says the appearance of Jesus' countenance was altered. But remember, both Luke and Matthew were not there. They are describing what they heard after some time went by. Peter, James, and John were ordered not to say anything about this until after the resurrection. Interestingly, John, who was there, does not report this experience in his gospel. Maybe it was too personal. Maybe it's simply, as Lois he asserts, because John's gospel is a perpetual theophany, a never-ending revelation of God. What I love about the Bible is that it tells us crazy, ungraspable things so casually. It's almost like dinnertime conversation. Please pass the potatoes. Jesus was transfigured. So calm, so tidy. But this is crazy. I was reading the Bromley Encyclopedia on the, this passage of the transfiguration, and it also asserts as an understatement, this is a difficult passage, and here we are. The timing of this passage actually is so great. It's the Sunday before Lent begins. We may find challenge, assurance, and oomph for the Lenten season in this passage. Part of the fun of today's readings is the conceptual overlap of the Old Testament, Old Testament and Gospel as well as the recollection we hear in 2 Peter. In Exodus, Moses takes his assistant Joshua with him up a mountain for a 40-day and 40-night conversation with God. In the Gospel reading, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain. Israel is on the brink of wandering in the desert for 40 years. Jesus' followers are on the brink of witnessing Christ's suffering and death. For both, they are on the edge of the unknown and unsure where it is going. This may stir us as we approach Lent. What we do not hear in the Exodus passage is the impact of the presence of God on Moses. He was also transfigured, but again, recognizable. Moses' 40-day conversation in Bible space is about 10 chapters. We hear in Exodus 34... As Moses came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. A part of what we are seeing is what being in God's presence does. Here for Moses and Jesus, God's unfiltered or unmodified not toned down presence transforms them. God's presence changed them so much that they looked different on the outside. Moses' face was shining, Jesus' face also shone, and his clothes were a dazzling white. The takeaway for those around Moses and Jesus was God was with them. All who saw were convinced. Now for Jesus, that was his inner circle of friends who were also his followers. It was not the multitudes, not the crowds, not even the 12 disciples. 
which they belonged to, but it was the three, Peter, James, and John, Jesus' inner circle. I have tended to think of the transfiguration simply. Jesus is on the verge of betrayal, suffering, and death, and needed encouragement. So, boom, Moses and Elijah, God's presence unfiltered, and God's voice heard. That's pulling out all the stops for some encouragement, but I have only been looking at one side of the coin. There is another side of the coin to consider. It's poignant to us as we face the coming of Lent, our walking with Christ in his betrayal, suffering, and death for our sins. We catch a glimpse of the significance of this for those who were with Jesus through Peter's epistle today. Peter is recounting the meaning of this experience. He says of himself and those with him, we had been eyewitnesses of God's majesty. We ourselves heard this voice from heaven. Can you imagine being able to say that while we were with him on the mountain? Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured with Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, the prophet, and heard God's voice. We begin to understand the intensity of this experience as the narrative continues. They fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. They were terrified. This revelation of God was a full sensory, sensory overload with a visceral response. A part of the beauty of this is how in Christ we see God as safe in the midst of fear. In response to their terror, Jesus comes to them, initiates with them, and touches them, as he has done for so many, and bids them not to be afraid. What a tender moment amid this powerful encounter. Peter's takeaway is that he's convinced Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah. He says, we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. Already confirmed, more fully confirmed. God has pulled out all the stops to do this for them. And then we hear Peter's exhortation. You will do well to be attentive to this. Attentive. Pay attention. This is a strong word in the Greek of giving attention or devotion and is even in its meaning compared to the drive of addictive yearning. Be driven toward this, Peter is saying. But toward what? Incarnational reality. God with us. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Peter is saying paying attention is like being aware of a lamp in the darkness or the morning star rising in our heart. When we pay attention, we see. We see something that contrasts and is visible, revealing. Imagine a lamp in darkness. When we pay attention, we experience hope. We see this in the allusion to the morning star. Scripturally, Jesus is referred to as the morning star. This phrase actually refers to the planet Venus. Venus appears in the eastern sky just before sunrise, daybreak. Jesus is the Venus star, the first light marking the dawn, not of a new day, but of a new age. Pay attention to the reality of God making God's self known to us. Pay attention to the rising of hope in our souls, even when it does not make sense, even when we do not know where we are going or what is next. Peter experienced seeing Jesus transfigured when he was not far from his three denials of Christ. And now is writing nearly 50 years after Christ's resurrection. 
And during a time of great persecution for Christians, Peter basically exhorts us to be assured and to stand firm. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what we need to pay attention to. There was a lot that could distract the disciples' attentiveness in their time of crisis and did. We do see Peter's denials. And we also see the Israelites' distraction when Moses comes down from the mountain. And they have fallen into creating and worshiping an idol after following God so closely during their time of deliverance. We are all Peter. We are all Israel. We all get fearful. We get distracted. We seek quick solutions and pleasure. We deny Christ. We create idols and worship them. In the words of Peter, pay attention. Be aware that God is with us. As we seek God in this Lenten season, let us be mindful that God shows God's self to us and that God will do whatever it takes to convince us that God is God. And remember, there's fruit to that. We are transformed as we are in God's presence. We become more. <laughs>